0: A real mixed bag for you this week, lots of updates about my writing and marketing and all sorts of things like that. So we'll dive in first of all with a couple of knockbacks. <laughs> We're not starting as we mean to go on, don't worry about that. But I've had two knockbacks this week and because I have mentioned them to you on previous diaries, I did want to just update you on them. Now you may remember, if you listen very attentively to my weekly ramblings, Then I went in for a thriller competition called the Staunch Book Prize. And this was a thriller competition that specifically wanted stories where no woman had been uh, harmed, beaten, uh, left for dead, you know, no, no sort of act of violence on a woman. And I'd got a couple of books that actually I was able to submit for that. But although I haven't actually directly heard from them, I did see that they'd created the shortlist this week. And despite numerous searches, strangely, my name wasn't on it. So I, I assume that's a Dear John moment, um, which is, uh, well, you know, you don't, I don't really particularly expect to win anything, but it, obviously it's always nice. But it did look to me like um, a lot of kind of uh, traditional established authors had put in for that when I looked at the shortlist, uh, which makes me feel slightly uh, better about that. But I did think it was a really good idea for a prize. And, um, and, you know, clearly there's always that moment of, Oh, that would have been nice if I'd have got that. And then, right, we just move on and get on with the next thing. And I, I have to say that, um, I've had so many, uh, knockbacks and they're not, uh, they're not big knockbacks. You know, they're just some you win, some you lose kind of knockbacks. I am getting miles, miles better at dealing with these. It's like, Oh, there's the email. Yeah. Uh, or there's the news on the, on the website. Oh, there you go. Well, I, you know, I didn't have high expectations. So that's fine. So that's fine. And then I got another knockback this week. Uh, you'll also remember that I mentioned Writers Block Tuna. This was the regional event that was taking place in Middlesbrough. Now, they had a number of um, local or regional events uh, and nothing ever comes to Cumbria, I hasten to add. So uh, they were in Middlesbrough, I think, maybe you know Newcastle and, and the big areas of the, in the northeast rather than the northwest where I live. And I didn't go to one of those, number one, because I didn't know they were taking place until too late, number three, because it's actually quite a hike uh, to get out of there, which of course is no excuse. But the idea of those was to uh, familiarise people with kind of what was going on, what was on offer. And um, I'd read it, I can't even remember, I read it on, on the website and thought, oh, this is great, I'll put in for it. So I'd submitted, um you had to submit, I think it was like, was it 500 words? or the first chapter, something like that, of a book you'd already written, and you also had to submit your idea. The idea I submitted was my sci-fi idea, and um, the the sci-fi idea is reasonably, it's not controversial, it's a difficult topic, which is why I was keen to do it in an environment where I could get support, Um, uh, but also the book that you had to submit. I know I was reading back my application after I submitted it the other day, and I, I think I'd submitted the first chapter of Dead of Night, which is kind of a thriller that just almost starts in the middle of the action. Uh, there's quite a lot of swearing in the first chapters, which I'd forgotten about. And I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have submitted that. Maybe I should have um, submitted something a little bit more arty-farty or considered. Um, so uh, I got not, I got a knockback on that anyway. Um, and I think I think it had been quite well. Um, you know, populated in terms of applications, because I heard from somebody else who has been accepted on it that I think they'd boiled it down to twenty, and then they were going to reduce it down to twelve. Um, so I was in the dear John pile for that. So that's two things uh, that I've been knocked back on. Um, with the Middlesbrough thing, uh, it's 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 always like swings and roundabouts with these things. Middlesbrough is a real travel for me, so it's the the other side of the country uh, in the northeast. And I probably would have, to attend those, I probably would have had to jump on a train on a Friday afternoon, hotel it in Middlesbrough on a Friday, uh, spend the day in Middlesbrough doing the training, and then either come back late at night. And I probably wouldn't have done that because it's Saturday. And those late trains, would you believe it, from, from Newcastle to Carlisle, and Carlisle to Newcastle, they're, they're full of, of people who are drunk. It's, it's like the trains are abominable at that time. Um, so I, I just give them a wide berth at that time of day. Um, you know, on Saturday night on the town kind of um, scenario. So um, I might have stayed on the Saturday. So it would have been quite a, a hike in terms of, of costs and, and energy. So there's always swings and roundabouts. It's like, clearly I would have liked to have had the mentorship of that. That would have been very useful for me. Uh, but having said that, I'm not particularly disappointed that I'm not gonna have to do all that travel and that extra expense. Um, but I would like some element of support strike sort of mentorship with that book. Because I just don't, I really want to write the book and interestingly I've I have my, my wife found me a just came across a non-fiction book in the library, which kind of sets up the factual basis of the science fiction book that I'm I'm writing. And I'm reading that at the moment, um taking notes and underlining things. And uh, I'm really keen to write this story, but I know it needs to be handled uh, carefully. It just doesn't feel like one I should go off and write alone. Um interestingly I went for lunch with Helen Fazal, my uh, my editor the other day. Um uh, we, we we met up for lunch at a catch-up. And I just mentioned to her this idea, and she she immediately sort of liked it and got it. So um, I I do think it's got legs this one, but you you could write it really badly, as I probably will, um, which is why I need some sort of you know guidance, mentorship, some sort of assistance to say you know rewrite that bit or that bit doesn't work. Anyhow, you know, so it all goes back in the melting pot, and we move on. I wanted to mention something about Publish Drive. There is an article on Publish Drive, and I'll save you hunting for it. I, I will put it on the show notes for this week. Just head for self, selfpublishingjourneys.com. But it's an article uh, called Five Facts You Didn't Know About Publishing on Google Play. And this is from the Publish Drive blog. And you know, I rate Publish Drive, I'm, I'm really happy with them. And I've shifted a lot of books through them too, by the way, which I'm also very happy with. And not necessarily for sale, but certainly first in series are going but it's a great uh, blog post no point me reading out for you here but I do highly recommend it to you if you are already listing wide um, or maybe considering it but it's called five facts you didn't know about publishing on google play that will be on this week's show notes and one of the things I'm sort of really pleased about at the moment I was looking at my planning board the other day this is why I love having a planning board it's just to my left here And you'd have seen if you, again, if you follow the diary regularly, you'll know that I do my quarter four goals. And in my quarter four goals, I had a a generic listing this month or this quarter saying complete marketing activities. And the marketing activities are in a separate area of my planning board. I was looking at the planning board, bearing in mind, uh, I've had two quarters now. I will have have had two quarters where I'm not writing uh, books. And of course i I finished a whole load of things in the last quarter, and I was looking at that block thing. Do you know what I'm almost there now I've almost finished all these this back catalogue of marketing tasks that I was so keen to do i'm almost there. I can, the end is in sight, you know. By Christmas, all these things, this backlog of things, I really wanted to look at and, and get in chip shape. He's almost done, so uh, I just had that kind of moment of oh, oh brilliant, <laughs> excellent, I'm almost there. Uh, we can pick up the writing in New Year, knowing that I, I've got all these systems in place and I've tidied things up and, and you know, everything's just the way I want it. Um, because th- th- there's a few things hovering around next year, not all of which I can I can talk about on the diary at the moment, but. It, um, if, if things continue as they are, my plan is to write um, four books next year, one a quarter, so just get on with it and write four books, one a quarter uh, in a thriller series, as, I, as I've mentioned to you already. Uh, and I also want to write this sci-fi. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that now. I'm going to have to think about that now this writer's blog has has slipped through my fingers. Um, but But that's still on the pending pile. So if I do that, uh, you know, the marketing stuff's done. I'm, I'm I'm just setting myself up to kind of hit the ground running and write one a quarter, really, um, and, and hopefully fund the kind of covers and editing from from BookBub and, and Book Income, because my Book Income is up. It's not astonishing at the moment. And and I know I haven't sort of mentioned income for quite a while on the podcast. The reason for that is, it's just it's all over the place when you're wired. You know, I've got bits coming in from uh, Draft2Digital. I've got bits coming in from Publish drive, I've got bits coming in from Google Play. I have my monthly Amazons coming in. Who else? Oh, a uh, Kobo. I got all these bits and pieces coming in, and although that's very nice and it's it's massively improved cash flow, it's quite sort of difficult to to put a meaningful uh, number on it. So what I can say to you is cash flows up, uh, way up. Uh, it's very good because it's putting money in, in the pot that I'm using for ads, and uh, and then for an edit, for I need to get the edit of so many lies sorted out. That's the next thing I need to make sure I've got the money for. Um, but I have spent quite a lot, I've spent a lot on uh, other things, uh, softwares, ads, um, you know, subscriptions that maybe I'd let lapse, all of those things, you know, it's just nice to have money flowing again. Uh, but again, you know, quite difficult to put um, a sort of a, a number on it or to mark a moment in the sand to say this is what I've had so far. W- what I'm moving towards, which I think will be more meaningful, is um, kind of like a maybe a yearly Income statement and in comparison with with a with a previous year um, to try and map growth over a period of time because uh, there's definitely substantial growth. I mean, for instance, this year something I can tell you is that I'm way above the average earnings for an author. So what's that? It's not that much as it? it's ten thousand and something, but I'm well in excess of that this year. I can tell you we've sort of broken that target, um, and I and I suspect that for a period of time. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to, put, I, some things have to remain private. I'm not going to put numbers on this, but I suspect that for a, a period of time um, for, I'm trying to think what the period is, po- possibly even over the last year, maybe not quite the last year, uh, it will even out. But it, I might have got to a position where I've uh, out-earned my own three-day-a-week income um, for much of the year. Um, so again, I'm not going to give you specific figures on that because some things have to remain private. But but you know what i 'm saying is that it has grown and it 's got more steady and i I very conservatively i i always uh, i'm a budgeting guy, so I have my business budget my business effectively is is really my my author business at the moment and um, I have my business budget to the end of March, which is the tax year, so I work in tax years with budgeting and i I just pencil in for say amazon income um and a month uh, an amount every month. And just as a holding number, I'd put a um, hundred pounds in a month, which is ridiculous, but that, that's what it used to be some time ago. It's just a kind of habit. So I just put a hundred pound in a month, and obviously it well exceeds that now uh, every month. But I mean, as, as an example, I put a hundred pound in, and just on Amazon, I think by the third of of November, we'd exceeded that this month. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of pointing at, at, at small changes and and mini milestones, if you want. Um, you know what I can completely confidently say is that it's completely a, uh, re, you know removed my wife's income now um she's still working but i mean it's it's completely four months on end now has has out replaced my wife's income and she works part time term time so again i'm not going to tell you what those income levels are because some things have to remain private but just to give you um an indication of some milestones and things that i've clogged i mean the other example of of how income is up is that I haven't been doing corporate training, not for money. So I, in, in actual fact, I did my last one yesterday, uh, which was in exchange for leave. And the reason I did that was because I want the leave so I can go to Spain for three weeks over Christmas. Um, and my need to do the training that I've been doing has completely diminished now because because I've got cash flow coming in from the books. Um, I used to do have to do the training to pay for the covers of the edits. The book income itself now, and I, and I and I miss this sometimes because the minute it comes in, it gets allocated. Uh, you know, I miss this sometimes because you never get that kind of pleasure of all. Oh, you know, look what my book income bought for me this week because it all goes straight in the business, all gets ploughed straight back into something. Um, so you don't you never get that sort of pleasure, that sensation of money coming in. But but another thing I realised the other day. Was that I? The reason I'm not having to do the paid courses at the moment is because for several months now, for a long time now, um, I've had uh, enough money coming in from the books that's that's cash flowing everything. Um, so you know, really, the kind of the financial goals, the financial targets are, are more these mini milestones that I'm hitting and these realizations I'm having. But it comes in, in dribs and drabs. You know, the funny thing is, I'm, I'm again, I'm receiving payments now all through the month, which is what I sort of think when I was an internet marketer my, my aim for years I've never managed to sustain it this is i think this is my my pain point I've never never managed to sustain I've had fits and starts so i've had great I've had really great sort of months or great launches and then we've had it's been feast and famine and what I've never cracked is this this constant this this feeling that you've got a reasonable amount coming in every month so that you can say, you know, oh, great, you know, I've, I've, I can survive every month with what I've generated now. It's always been feast and famine for me. I've never managed to, to make the thing reliable, um, you know, and repetitive. And that's really what I'm trying to do, um, with, with the books. And we're not, we're not there yet. You know, we are, say, with my wife's income, uh, we are in a, an erratic, non reliable way with my income, but you see, I still need to earn more than that because I need to replace my income and my wife's income and I need to bootstrap the business. So I have to earn more, I have to earn much more than that. Um, I've got to be able to pay for the business and I've got to be able to pay you know, for, for living costs as well. So I've got to make more than what I earn and what my wife earns. I've got to make what we earn, uh, this is a, a bare minimum, plus what we need to bootstrap book covers and edits and all the things you need to do to market and launch a book, which is, as you know, if you've done this is quite a lot of money if you're going to do it properly. So that's what we're aiming for. But if you drew a graph from day one, when I first started writing The Secret Bunker to now, I can tell you that that graph would be in steady uh, increase. It is increasing over time. Um, And that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm looking for because if the the thing goes down you might as well give it up work you know get a day job and just just stick to the day job but uh, I'm pleased to report that it is it's steadily uh, climbing but it's still not enough Um, now that was a very long way of telling you that I've got a lot of the marketing jobs uh, done and I can see the end now And one of those jobs that I did, I mean, how long have I been writing thrillers? I've I've had thrillers out for a couple of years now. And all I've had is this blasted holding page, which effectively collects names and email addresses, and that's all I've had up there for a, you know a year, maybe two years now, and I needed to do a thriller website, and I've been building content for it for ages, so when I went to Scotland in March, I shot videos of some of the key locations, and I certainly took photos. I, well over a year ago, my wife and I went to Blackpool, and I photographed lots of areas that were connected with the Don't Tell Mech trilogy. Um, what else I photograph? Um, I photograph? I pho- photographed all sorts of bits and pieces, so I've been doing this ever since I've been writing the trilogies, but I just haven't had, or had to say I haven't had the time I don't like that phrase I haven't made the time to sit down and do the work on that thriller website well this is why I'm doing this marketing work at the moment because last weekend I sat down it only took me it took me less than a weekend to get it done and I now have a new and a proper thriller website so if you go to paulteague.co.uk you'll see that I've got a proper website there got a banner on there with my thrillers on there and if you click on the thriller galleries, you might find this quite interesting to look at as an author. So you've got several thriller galleries there. You've got, oh, that's right. That's the other one I did, Who to Trust. Uh, I've got all the Benidorm locations that I use in Who to Trust, which I did last January when we were in Spain. I've got in Dead of Night, my thriller. Um, I've got uh, a lot of them are, are vehicles. I was looking at vehicles. So there's a big scene in a lorry where the protagonist basically grabs a lorry. I'd never driven a lorry before and has to drive off in it. and um, And so they had a, I will have mentioned this on the diary, I'm sure, but in in the town centre, some lorry driving school was recruiting and they had a lorry in in the city centre. And I asked the guy if I could have a good old look round it and photograph it so that I could get my scene right in Dead of Night. It was really fortuitous timing, actually. So I've done a gallery of that and some other... Locations connected with that book, and then, in burden of guilt i 've done a Caledonian sleeper train gallery because there 's a whole section in that book that takes place on a caledonian sleeper you 've then got burden of guilt, the fort william gallery, so when this is where I stayed in march and i 've got lots of scenes where the one of the murders takes place, and some of the location settings um, and then i 've got a Lock, Lock Haber, uh, I have i 've said that correctly locations gallery, which is the Fort William area. Uh, I've also got some videos from Burden of Guilt, which I've put on this thriller website and I've put on um YouTube as well to drive traffic to the website. Plus I have a, I can't believe how many of these galleries I've done actually at the weekend. And so I've been pretty productive. Don't Tell Meg, I've got a locations gallery for Don't Tell Meg and I've got a One Fatal Error locations gallery. Now that One Fatal Error one, One Fatal Error is the book with the Solent Fort. And what I did with that, because I don't have any photos of my own yet, I aim to get down there at some point and, and, and photograph it. And do some videos from there, uh, but I need to kind of work. I've got to work there. And actually, Joel, you know I think I'm going to make a list. I'm going, to, I'm going to make that. I think a target or an ambition to see if we could do that in in ni- 2019. I'm going to write that down now and, and see if we could find a way to get down there. Because my brother's down there too, with the kids all kind of growing up and things. Now, it would be, I don't want to take that. I don't, we don't go down there because I'm not taking the old family that far. It's like it's a day's travel, and I used to be able to fly it. Um, but I can't fly it now. But I think I'm going to try and get down to that Solent Fort next year. Uh, so you've heard it live—a kind of half-assed resolution uh, to do that. But I'm going to investigate it and see if we can do that in a kind of financially sensible way without it costing the earth. Uh, but what I what I did then is I created a gallery. But all I've done is I've embedded the photo galleries that Solent Forts have created or, or people who visited it, uh, so that it looks like a gallery. But all it is actually is is a load of embeds from. Um, Twitter which uh, I'm allowed to do because I haven't saved the images and put them on my server they're on Twitter's server I'm just showing a feed of somebody else's gallery so that's kind of that's kind of copyright legal I can do that because I've just taken the embed code from Twitter the other thing I've done on that thriller site is I've I've put my early thrillers there so um, if you if you had the stamina to listen to last week's marathon episode when I was talking to you about all my early writing and I've put some of my early thrillers that I wrote when I was 16 and 17 I've put scans of those on my thriller site so that people can have a look at my my really really uh, early work there are other links on there which is social media and of course I've got a sign up link for thrillers so you know it's just a basic site but I, I needed a place where I could start to Uh, you know, just engage with just thrillers. And I I have two other sites. I've got the Secret Bunker Trilogy and the Grid Trilogy websites where I've put loads of content around those. And I needed a place like that for the thrillers, particularly as probably thrillers, thrillers are the ones I sell more of. Though having said that, the Grid's doing really well at the moment since that book, Bob. I keep going off on tangents, apologies for this. But uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that the grid was written in in 2014. I think it was maybe published in 2015. That, you know, most of my income at the moment is coming from that grid launch. Uh, It's done really well and it's really high in the sci fi free charts at the moment as well. So, um, isn't it interesting that you can take an old book like that that I'd almost not forgotten about, but I wasn't doing anything with, and that you could resurrect your financial fortunes by getting a book bump and actually finding some customers for it? So, um, To go back to the first point, I now have a Thriller website and you can look at it at paulteague.co.uk. I wanted to just give you an update on my Google stats. So you'll know that because I've been banned on Facebook at the moment, I wanted to give Google ads a try. And I got to tell you, I'm getting some great click-throughs on this, but well, it's difficult to track the conversion. I'm not really quite sure how to track the conversions. That's the problem but the the click throughs are great if i just have a look at my my stats if we have a look at the last what 30 days on here and and take a look at what the stats are um, it's giving me loads and loads of of kind of you know clicks impressions and all that sort of thing it's it, it's it's doing really well as far as that's concerned um, but i can't track the results And I don't know whether you know how to track the results. So if I, if I just got to give you an example, I've got a lot of paused ads at the moment. Um, maybe I should just, it doesn't sort of show me my paused ads, but I I got a couple of ads going at the moment. So this is what I've, I've sort of boiled my ads down to. I've got, I'm advertising a, um, I'm advertising my, I'm going for Don't Tell Meg for free at the moment because I know, I know from bookbub ads that if people buy the first book, many people read through, enough people read through you know, to make significant um, sums of money, and um, so although I've never done the kind of Brian Meeks calculations on that to work out what my read-through is, I just know, I know from feel, because I've used it in two book bubs now, that if I give book one away for free, it creates certainly enough money to make it worthwhile, but I can't tell you, I can't tell you what that read-through rate is, I never sat down and calculated it, I should do that, I know, but I haven't. So, um, that's why I've gone for first book free because it was, I was not getting sales when I was going direct to a sale on Google. But there's two ways I've been advertising in Google and there's a third way that I, I will be if I continue doing it. So I've been advertising via keywords, which is very effective. And then I, I've just switched now to advertising by interests. So on Google, you could, you could target people's uh, interests and I've got something like, you know, uh, thrillers. Uh, mystery and crime and something else. There's two versions of mystery and crime, so you could target people by their interests as well. I'm just switching to interests to see if that works uh, slightly uh, better for me. But in in terms of kind of clicks and cost, it's been really good. And I unfortunately my kind of experience of, of Google is is very limited. But if I just tell you that over a period, well, the, I don't know how long this is. It's not that long. That that. I've had, um, 57, well, 50, I'll round the numbers, Fifty-seven, fifty-eight thousand 58,000 impressions, um, 514 clicks, average cost per click is 11, 11 pence, and the spend is 54.59. That's in the USA. And then in, in the UK, I think it is, is that right? Yeah, in the UK, I've had 50,000 impressions, um, 456 clicks. In the UK, I'm paying seven pence per click and I've spent £33.53. Now, for that number of clicks, that, that's about, probably about 10 pence a click, just roughly doing the arithmetic, but pr- probably fr- fractionally less, maybe nine and a half, half pence per click. That feels all right to me. And that feels like a good amount of traffic to me, but I don't know whether it's converting. I can't tell whether it's converting. So I'm I'm just going to put this out there. Do you know how we would take that forward? Um, Because with my kind of knowledge of this, what we used to do when we were internet marketers is is you always have to pay for traffic, but we used to do something called joint ventures. And rather than pay directly for traffic, say through Google, we would team up with internet marketers who had massive lists of thousands of, of buying customers who'd bought digital products. And we would give them very high commissions, 50%, sometimes higher. You'd give them 50% in exchange for the uh, marketing to their list, their, their email list. And so you would make a ton of sales because they were selling, they were selling to targeted buyers and they would make a ton of money because they were making 50%. So you always have to pay for your traffic. Um, you know, there's less organic traffic available these days. Generally you have to pay for traffic if you want it to be automated. Uh, and consistent you generally have to pay for traffic Uh, you know there's other ways around it you could do book but book funnels and you could do insta freebies and things like that but but free traffic is less qualified and it's poorer quality traffic there's all sorts of you know let's not get into all of that but those those are the basics of it so uh, i so i've i've kind of i've only ever dabbled with google ads i wouldn't teach it for instance i'd never teach i couldn't set myself up to teach it and I don't, you know, I kind of get the basics of it, but there's absolutely no way am I anywhere an expert with this. I, I don't, you know, I'm blundering, I'm blundering on Google Ads, um, and I, and I know, you know, enough I know enough about the basics to have a have a go at it, but I'm probably wasting money, you know, left, right, and centre. But my feeling at the moment is that's good traffic, that's good cost per click, and we could probably get that down low. I haven't even tried to get that down lower yet, but we would probably be able to get that down lower. I'm doing what I call brute force at the moment, which is you know, can I just make the blasted thing work? Can I can I prove that it works? And then we can start to tweak it to make it work better. So, and, and you know, that's reasonably wasteful, but we're not spending a fortune on, on it. Um So my inclination is that if I'm sending traffic to a page, and, I, and the problem is I don't know whether I'm converting. I'm not quite sure how to do it. I can see that I've got loads of traffic on the page, but what I can't track, and I think this is always the problem, isn't it? I think with Facebook and Amazon, unless I'm missing something that, you know, somewhere, That we can't then track that to sales directly. We can't directly track that to sales. And and that's kind of where I'm stuck because I can't, it, it looks, this looks like it's working, but I can't track that last important stage. It's definitely getting them to the page. And if it's getting people to the page, if I'm not making sales, then that's a conversion issue. As far as I understand, that's, I'm not, the page isn't good enough. I'm, my message isn't strong enough. I'm not. Um, you know, whatever people are expecting. They're not getting it when they arrive on the page. That's something I I can change. But I, so I'm throwing that out there. Do, does anybody know how to move that on? Does anybody know how to track it better? So for instance, there are these things called UTM codes. And I kind of get the basics of a UTM code. But I don't think a UTM code is helpful in this scenario unless, unless you know more about UTM codes than I do. And I know nothing about UTM codes, only the basics of them. So I could put UTM codes on these ads, but would that that UTM code won't tell me that somebody's gone through and bought on Kobo? It won't tell me that they've gone through and bought on Amazon with it. And that's the bit that I need to know. So if you, if you know how to do that, can you let me know? Cause I, that's the bit I'm stuck with now i kind of like, okay, that's a lot of traffic. That cost per click's okay. We can work with that. But am I selling anything? Am I just completely wasting my time? That's what I really need to to figure out. And I've reached the the level of my, or the limit of my uh, knowledge and abilities at this point. I'm not really quite sure what to do next other than to play around with that page. And to be honest with you, I'm not really quite sure what to do with that page next. But so I'm feeling a little bit stuck with it. I feel like we've got some potential there, but I don't know what to do with it. So if you can help, just drop me a note, paul at Paulteague.com, that'd be really uh, helpful. Something else I'm loving immediately, by the way, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, that I, for years I used Booklinker. And Booklinker is a, was a, it's a free service that gave um, geo geolinks. Um, so geolinks are things that um, if you click on Amazon... You don't want, if I live in the UK, I don't want to be taken to the Amazon.com site because I can't buy through that. Amazon would always say you need to be in the UK site to be buying books. And what a geolinker does is it's a special link that redirects people uh, to their local Amazon store, uh, which basically creates frictionless buying. If, if you send me to amazon.com and I try and buy, and Amazon says you need to be on amazon.co.uk, that's friction in the buying process. I'm more likely to say, oh, do you want? I can't be bothered. I'm busy now. What you want people to do is be able to go straight to the right place so they can buy immediately. That's what you're after. So I used Booklinker for a couple of years, and I've loved it. Uh, but it's kind of it was a free service. And the problem with free, I was saying this at my training the other day about free WordPress plugins. The problem with free is that I don't know about you, but I need to earn money. Um, I you know I can't work for free. On the whole, I, I got to keep a roof over my head and food in everybody's belly. Uh, so no one really works for free, not unless they're so rich anyway they don't have to. Uh, it, and so when you get free stuff, it, it doesn't have. If people don't have a way of getting paid for the work they're doing, the chances are they're going to give up at some point. They're gonna they're not going to keep something maintained. And this is always the problem with free plugins on WordPress. You know why the heck would I? Create a plugin, and then when Gutenberg comes in and everything changes for no money at all, have all the hassle of people saying, "Oh, my plugin's broken and it doesn't work anymore." Well, I'm not getting paid for it. So I do support paying for things because paying creates a, an infrastructure, uh, and you should, you know, you, you should support this because you're a, an author for goodness' sake. You know, you, you should be paid for the work that you do. Um, people need to be paid for the work that they do, and so you know, Booklinker was free. And when all these HTTPS links came in, these secure links, um, I noticed that it had changed the links, and I was sort of thinking, "Oh, this feels like they're 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 kind of letting this rot a little bit." And then it was taken over by Genius Links, and then Genius Links have been encouraging me to move to Genius Links and and migrate. All my old links into Genius Links, and I, I've taken a look at Genius Links. I just wanted to say how much I love it, and what a great kind of internet marketing tool it is. Um, you, you know, you, you know, I love these things. Although I'm out of internet marketing, I, I use all the principles in my author uh, work. I, I still, I, I still do internet marketing. I'm just not an internet marketer as such, selling um, internet marketing products but i love genius links um they do these geolocated links and i'm using genius links and i'm using uh what's it called books for work. Do you know what i every bloody week when i try and remember the name of this site books to read uh, which is the draft of digital links I, f- I forget that name every week don't I? I should i should write it down somewhere where i can see it every week books to read um, so I'm using Genius Links and books to read now and get on very well with those. And something I mentioned to another author earlier, if you use WordPress, if you want, if you're using bit.ly and tiny URLs, don't do that. Um, they look spammy, they're not branded. There's a better thing you could do if you're using WordPress. Just look up the plugin called Pretty Links, Pretty Links. I've used it for years and what it allows you to do is to create what are called branded redirect links. Um, I mentioned it at the training yesterday. Everybody bit my hand off to find out more about it. Uh, basically, when you share ugly long links on social media or in your emails, uh, pretty links tidies them up like bit.ly or tiny URL does, but it, it brands them. So, for instance, all my, all my pretty links uh, are based like paulteague.com forward slash a Scrivener, if I was sending out an affiliate link for Scrivener. So rather than send this horrible link with all these numbers and letters in, it would send up a branded link with paulting.com and then I can create the slug for it at the end, which would be sa- forward slash Scrivener. Uh, so it looks really professional, but it still does the redirect. And I use that a lot for affiliate links. It's a, it's a really good tool. So so Pretty Link. So I use Pretty Link, Genius Links, and I'm also using the one that I've just forgotten all over again, Books to Read, which is what draft the digital do as well. So um, for for links, that's my recommended toolkit now. And I'm paying, I think it is $5 a month for Genius Links. I'm happy to do that, to have a service that I value that is maintained and kept up to date and continues to innovate. That's what you pay for. Uh, you pay for sort of maintenance, you pay for troubleshooting, you pay pay for support uh, and you pay for innovation. And that's why generally, I mean, clearly I can't afford to pay a fortune for things. You have to be budget conscious. But generally I like to pay for stuff uh, because... It creates an infrastructure whereby that product can flourish and is more likely to hang around. And you know this goes for your books too. If you don't get paid for your books, you ain't going to write for much longer. You know, you'll give up if you don't get paid for your books. We need to be paid for the work that we do. So um, the secret bunker is getting sent to uh, BookBub on Monday. So um, when you get knocked back for a BookBub, you have to wait a month until you can have a cooling off period. Uh, And my cooling off period is over on Monday. I just always make sure I'm well... I I don't know when you're supposed to time it from, but I time it from the rejection letter. So I always, whenever I got the last rejection letter, I count a month forward and that's when I pitch next time. I don't know whether in theory you can go for when you pitched last time, but I always take it for the rejection just to make sure I'm completely clear. So um, that will be getting pitched on Monday. Hopefully I'll be able to let you know whether I've been accepted or rejected by the time I do this diary next week, um, but the secret bunker. Basically, I'm not putting standalone books in. I'm just not doing that. It's too expensive. I heard Joanna Penn on her podcast this week say, "I think she'd used she'd used a promo and bookbub. It, um, it was I think it was one of the new release promos. I don't think even Joanna had made her money back on that. I, I'm just not prepared to put. Um, I, you know, this is my strategy. I'm sure our other people make it work. But I'm only putting first in series and trilogies in bookbub. Uh, I, I, I have seen personally no evidence that a standalone will work, whereas I've seen loads of evidence. You've heard it on this diary that first in series works. Uh, and particularly it's worked for me in those trilogies. i not, I've not written more than a trilogy yet, so I can't say anything more than that. Um, but I, that's my strategy and, and I like it. So if I can just get the secret bunker into the sort of bookbub ec- ecosystem, That will be fabulous. That will be really good. Um, 20 Books Vegas has been going on this week. Uh, I couldn't be there. Too expensive. Got other things to pay for, unfortunately. Uh, But I would have loved to have been there. And I would like to be there in future, uh, but not this year. I will be going to 20 Books Edinburgh. I've got my tickets. I've got my hotel room booked. It's all planned. It's in the diary. It's going to happen. So I'm looking forward to 20 Books Edinburgh. Uh, But who knows? Maybe Vegas next year. We'll see. But um, the good thing about it is they put all the videos up. So you need to be a member of the 20 Books to 50K Facebook group. And then from there, you need to ask to join the the Vegas group. Uh, and in the Vegas group, you can just watch all the videos that they've got. And I was watching a couple of these this week. And I watched Brian Meeks's video um about Amazon ants uh, because, you know, I'm Amazon ads is something I, I I am having success with. I'm just not scaling them up. They're they they're going well for me. Particularly in the UK. Um the UK is working really sort of well for me, but I need more of it. You know, I need I can't scale it, I can't spend enough on it. Um but the ratio is great. Uh very happy with the ratio. But I need more of it. Thank you. Anyhow, I was watching Brian Meeks, and I've heard this recommendation before. He was saying that when he needed to get better at copywriting, he contacted Sean Platt of the podcast that used to be called the Self-Publishing Podcast, and I can't remember what it's called nowadays, even though I listen to it every week. Um, But uh, Sean Platt had recommended a book called The Ad Week Copywriting Handbook, and I remember listening to, to Sean mention this on his podcast, and when Brian mentioned it again, I went straight onto Amazon, I bought it and arrived in the post today. So that's gonna go on the to be read list. Uh it's quite a thick book, so it might have to wait for a little while. There is another book, I don't I think I might have got rid of it now. It was on my it was on my shelf for years, one that everybody recommended. But um I just couldn't read it. I I tried to read it, I just couldn't read it. Um, it was too dense I mean you know I am a, I am a lightweight when it comes to reading I need lots of white space and chapters and things like that nothing too sustained or too intellectual um, so I found it a really heavy read I can't remember the name of it now but it was one that was recommended to me and I struggled with it so I'm hoping this one's going to be uh, a lot better I mean I did. I learned a lot about copywriting when I was working with Chris, when we did a lot of the internet marketing stuff. Um, So hopefully I'm not horrendous at it, but, you know, I'm not great at it. And so I'm very receptive to learning uh, more about effective copywriting uh, because this will help me with my book blurbs. It will help me with my um, you know, my spiel for the Amazon sites, my, you know, my book previews, and it will help me with my ad writing. So I'm very happy to, to, to consume that book, but that one might have to wait till over Christmas or something like that, because it's quite a hefty read. And I've got a lot in my to be read pile <laughs> as I speak at the moment. Do um, check out my YouTube channel at the moment. Uh, I've added a few things there. Uh, I was speaking to Alyssa Grosso this week. I interviewed her for the podcast. And Alyssa, I, I didn't know this. Um, she contacted me through the through the podcast. Interestingly, Alyssa had, had discovered me on YouTube, and she discovered the episode that I did on the video camera um, when I was in Scotland in March. I don't if I don't know whether you remember that, but I said, "Oh, look, I've got a lovely view out the window. I might as well do one on on screen." So I did one on screen that week and um Alyssa, because she lives on YouTube had found that and now listens to me exclusively on YouTube and, um, because she contacted me, I checked her out and thought, "Oh, you, you know, you're a good guest for the podcast. You've done, you've got a really interesting story." And when I was doing my sort of finer research before I spoke to a on Monday, I found out that she's got a she's got several uh, YouTube channels, but she's got a brilliant one for writing, uh, really, really good. And she does her equivalent, if you want, of my author diary. Um, but but uh, at the moment, her her income reports are like where mine were when I when I started. When I'm sort of saying. It wasn't very good this month <laughs> and and um, you know, I said to a listener in the interview, some of that it's painful to listen to because I think this month she said she'd made a loss, and she's working really hard at this, and she's had a traditional deal in the past um so I just thought, oh, that's a really good fit for this podcast. So I've put uh, Alyssa Alyssa's uh, videos, I've put a playlist of Alyssa's videos on the front page of my YouTube channel because I think that would give a, a lot of value to people who listen to this show. I highly recommend it to you. Um, you know, if, if you enjoy this diary, I'm sure you'll a, a really enjoy what Alyssa's doing as well. Um, the other person who's uh, gone on my YouTube channel is Patrick Sheriff, who has been doing... Uh, regular updates throughout NaNoWriMo this month and Patrick is another former guest on the show we talk on on social media and again I really enjoy watching patrick's videos they're short videos um they're there there's a there's a lot about um you know design a lot about writing and writing craft and obviously the struggles of a writer but these are these are just they're really great fits for this podcast because this you know this podcast I call it for new you know and aspiring uh writers uh, though you know those of us who haven't made it yet but we're working hard on it and um you know it's so it's really good to just hear stories from the trenches the people who are working hard doing the work doing the graft having the struggles uh but aren't you know we're not quite there yet we're still pushing 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 trying to get there um so they've they've gone on my youtube channel and uh controversially yesterday after i'd done my training day i you know i I think maybe i probably just need a break from it but i i do not want to do any more digital training. I don't, I, I, and I, I, part of me feels a little bit guilty about this because sort of people say to me that I'm all right at it, you know, that that rather than over geeking it, people understand it. But um, I just kind of want to keep it to myself for, for a bit. And by that, I mean, I'm quite happy working on my own website and I'm quite happy solving my own problems online and I'm quite happy messing around with, with Google Ants and things like that. But in terms of sort of teaching it to to rooms full of people where I'm having wi-fi difficulties and things aren't playing ball I'm, I'm sort of i've had my fill of it for the time being and i just thought yesterday when I, i'd had a, a technical issue yesterday when i was trying to demonstrate something i'm trying to i'm trying what i'm trying to do I, I was doing um i was trying to show people how to mitigate um gutenberg which is this you know the wordpress website which is going to be updated in about how many days time? times about nine or ten days time monday the 19th of November. And I was going through all the different options people could use on WordPress to either delay it, postpone it, block it, manage it, all sorts of things and um and we had you know the usual technical problems that you do when you're training because the, the wifi is not good enough or the other thing is uh um, when you've got lots of people all using the same WiFi connection sometimes you get errors uh, it, it maybe it looks to the people who are providing the services like you've got a spam attack all sorts of things that you know that come up in this and I just thought Joe, i've I've had enough of of apologizing for these technical problems now. And when I do this on a webinar at home, and I make a video, you know it works. And if it doesn't work, I stop the video, I fix it, I come back to it. And I just thought, you know that that's kind of really how I want to do my training. I want to do my training on webinars, and I want to do it on videos. But I don't want to do it with rooms full. And I do it one to one. I'm happy to do it one to one. But I don't want to do a room full of people who've all got expectations. You know, when when the kit's playing up or or, or it's messing around. So I did think, you know, you know, unless unless I'm put under a lot of pressure to do this i'm stepping back from this and this is this is in line with me removing my books from amazon so i don't have any digital marketing books on amazon now um i've let them they've all kind of they're all dated now um so i'm not going to sell them i don't want to update them because you know even even in these days of vellum it is such a pain to do a book that has loads of images in it it's i just can't face doing it again from scratch um I did them in Word before. And you know, they've been good to me. I've sold a lot of them. I've made money from them. But um I've just had enough of it. I don't I don't want to do those books anymore. So I removed all the digital videos from YouTube yesterday. And all I've left there now is the evergreen how-to videos that I do for authors. So there's a introduction to Scrivener, there's a how to make 3D covers. You know, I've left generic and evergreen stuff up. And I also removed a load of blog posts on Paulteague.com. Um, so I've only got, I've got really a handful, maybe 15 of evergreen articles on there and actually the one article uh, on there that I consistently uh, make income from is how to use Vellum on a PC, it's quite astonished to see the number of YouTube uh, video hits I've had for that, so how to use Vellum on a PC is my kind of number one earner in terms of uh, digital marketing uh, income just because it's beautifully keyworded. Uh, there's a real kind of hungry demand. It's the, it's the perfect kind of article really. Um, and, and I should probably make more money out of it because I actually show people how to do it for free. And those pages, they just have loads of loads of hits. Um, I show you how to do it for free. And then I say, look, if that's, if you can't figure it out from that, here's a really, really, really detailed course, which you could pay for. And I, I sell, you know, not in a huge way, but I sell um that course constantly I've never had any kind of um from that course I've never had a question about it you know how I didn't understand this I didn't understand that so I could only assume I've never had a refund on it either so I could only assume that because of the way I've set up the sales funnel so I actually show you it for free um that you're pretty pre-qualified by the time you buy it And, and hopefully the training's pretty reasonable you know it shows it pretty comprehensively Um, But I've I've not had a refund. I've never had a question about it. If I start getting questions about it, I'll just close it because I hate doing support, as you know. Um, You know, if people start saying, oh, I didn't quite understand this, um, then I'll close it if it becomes a problem for me. Uh, But all the time, it's a service and it's self-explanatory. I'm quite happy to leave it out there. Um, So uh, I can't remember what I was talking about there. I've I've gone off on one again, haven't I? Um, Sort of internet marketing work, really, just just me sort of closing things off. So... um, it's probably just a break, you know, when you just need a break from something. But I did so much, uh, you know, internet marketing. I made so many videos and courses and things when I was internet marketing. Uh, we did loads of it. It was just, it was relentless. It was one launch after another, and I just got sick of it. You know, and had and had enough of it. And, and, but I'd left a few things up that were generic. But now I've closed those down. You know, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm 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 moving out of digital marketing teaching. If you want, that's what I want to move out of. And I'm not saying never again. Uh, I'm just saying, less of it, much, much, much less of it, unless somebody really, really wants me to do it. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, my default is no, is what I'm saying. Um, and but what I will continue to share is, you know, stuff that I can share, obviously, in the Patreon group, um, you know, and, and that's helpful. If I found a little workaround for something, I'm quite help, I'm quite happy to share that stuff. But I, I don't want to be t- the teaching of it. Uh, it's a classrooms. That's really why I don't want to do anymore. Uh, I just want to do it one-to-one, webinar on a video scenario, that kind of scenario, where, You know, when I'm not constantly having to cope with internet connections and, and things that won't play ball because we're on shared uh, Wi-Fi connections and things like that. That's really what I'm saying. So what else have I got to tell you? I think that's virtually it for this. I thought it was going to be a short one this week. Um, oh, yeah, I just want to update you on one last thing. Well, two things, actually, two things to update you on. Um, I was talking to you last week about rapid release, and I dug a little bit more into this, and I'll put a Martha Carr video on, so Martha's very embroiled in 20 books of 50k, she co-writes with Michael Anderle. Um but I was backwards engineering Martha Carr's rapid release, and, and in her version of it, so you know you've got the 30-day cliff or the 60-day cliff, which Chris Fox talks about in Amazon, which is basically, these are the periods where they promote you, so you've, you've got to, be releasing new books within certain periods. Martha was talking about a slightly different version, where you release four books over a month. I know, sit down. You may want to get a, a drink of water. Four books over a month. So um, I was backwards engineering that and figuring that out. But I am, you know, one of the things I'm considering, and, and this will get confirmed to you when I tell you what my quarter one 2019 goals are. It's in my in my thinking zone at the moment, but. You know, am I going to take my four of my thrillers off, the four standalones I've never done anything with because Don't Tell Meg is the one that's selling? You know, I sell, I sell the copies of the other ones, but I've never done anything with them. Uh, Do I take them off in January? Um, do I just take them off sale in January? Just make some tweaks with them to make them in the same universe as Don't Tell Meg, write another four books in that series and then do a rapid release uh, and, and, and effectively just relaunch them, um, from scratch. I I certainly think I should do because I think the income that I've had from them is so negligible. I might as well do that. So I'm, I'm just as a pincer movement, I'm kind of moving towards finding out more about rapid release, trying to work out what version I might do and trying to work out at what point in the year I could hit that and have a critical mass of books to enable me to do that. Um, So it would, uh, it's going to be you know, June, July, August, that I could do that. Um, So I'd be writing all that time, but not releasing. So anyhow, I'm I'm kind of working out the mathematics of that and the timings and when can I have a book written? When can I have a book edited? When can I start this? So I've got a period of rapid release to try and, you know, boost my income through that process. But I'll put that video by Martha Carr, which is, I think, for the very first um, USA 20 Books event last year. I think that's where she recorded that, but I'll I'll put the video on the show notes for this week. I'm getting tremendous value, by the way. um, Mark Lefeuve, Lefeuve, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's the the gentleman from Kobo who worked with Kobo for years, and he's been on lots of other, um, you know, indie, indie podcasts. And then he left Kobo some time ago, and it's just been announced that he's gone to work for draft digital Well, Mark has written a book about Kobo, about marketing and, and being an author on Kobo. At the minute, I think Joanna Penn mentioned it, at the minute I heard about it, I just went and bought it in Kindle form, and I've read it this week, Um because as I said to you, I've been struggling with Kobo, not struggling to make sales or move books, struggling to turn that into income. Um, so we've had over 10,000 books moved. I can't remember how many of those are paid sales. So we've had plenty of paid sales, but I'm just not happy with the amount of money I'm earning on Kobo. It doesn't feel right to me for the number of books I'm shifting. So, um, I was very happy because Mark has written this, this book to, to dig in a little deeper. And I found some great things in there. It's really good. I mean, you know, who knows better about Kobo than Mark because he worked there for years and he set up many of these processes. So I highly recommend it to you. If you are marketing on Kobo, I've picked up loads of tricks on there, and uh, one of the tricks uh, that I'm particularly grateful for because I was trying to figure it out the other day for my Google Sales page is how do you geolocate a Kobo link? Because Kobo has different um, portals, you know, for Spain and and for the UK and for the US. Is there a way of of geolocating a Kobo link? And there is. And I found out, Mark told you how, it's really simple. And Mark told me how to do it in the book. And, and uh, there's also some brilliant stuff on pricing in there. So I know, I, I'm looking at my my map. By the way, my Kobo, I've now sold in 83 countries on Kobo since mid-July. 83 countries. I'll put my map on the show notes this week. It's fascinating. Um, but um, as Mark says, Kobo tends to sell, sell most in New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. And I can confirm that. And and the UK, obviously, the UK, and then you've got tiny dots all over the world, but those are the main territories for me. And he goes into great detail about how you can use the fact that books are more expensive in Canada, New Zealand, and Australia Um, and you could use that to your advantage as an author not to overprice books but to still competitively price books and make money from those so this is exactly what I needed for Kobo as I I try to pick through and solve all these problems at the moment so I, I rattled straight through that and I got loads and loads of learning points from that book so again if you are on Kobo I highly recommend Mark's book to you and I'll put a link because I've mispronounced his surname and apologies for that I've heard it I can't, I've heard it so many times on other podcasts and when I read it I'm not quite sure how to say it when I look at it, at the word but it's Mike Leferve, Lefebvre, Lefebvre, It's you know who it is, Mark from Kobo um, and I'll put a link on the um show notes so that you can access that but it's a great book, really enjoyed it and who else to write that book, he's the man to write that book. So um, on Twitter this week Edwin Downward, who I'm talking to for this podcast in the next is it two weeks I think it is Yeah, a couple of weeks, Edwin. You you don't escape the clutches of this podcast. Um, I'm interviewing Edwin in a couple of weeks' time, but Edwin always tweets to let me know where he is when he's listening to the podcast. And usually it's some glamorous location, but I'm afraid the rain even comes to Vancouver. It is Vancouver, I think, isn't it, Edwin? Sorry if I've got that wrong. Um, But Edwin tweets, uh, Stop to take this picture of the conditions I was driving in as I listened to your podcast diary. Um, Fun fact you just mentioned another listener talking about a dark alley. That, so that was Tim Lewis, who tweeted from the dark alley. And i got to say, Edwin, you know, that looks really bleak. <laughs> That's really wet. It looks like it's pouring down. And it's horrible kind of driving conditions there. So you have my sympathies with that. And then um Tim Lewis, who's also another regular tweeter, lets me know where he is while he's listening to the podcast. And you're welcome to do this anytime. I always love to know what you're doing while you're listening to the podcast. Um, last week, Tim... Just happened to be in a dark kind of alley when he was listening, and and it was a bit sort of you know inner city and gloomy. This week, he sent me a a picture of a beautiful tree, and we're back in the woods again on his weekly walk. So that's fantastic. And congratulations, Tim. I know you were on the stage this week in Cambridge, um, and um, Tim is going to be on my podcast in one, two weeks' time. Um, Tim was a fiction writer. Is uh, a fiction writer, and, uh, and, but he's moved into non-fiction. He's written a social media book, which he's been marketing very effectively. And as a result of that book, Tim did his first kind of big speaker stage event in Cambridge this week. So he was using a book uh, to kind of position himself as an expert. Expert positioning is what it is, basically. Uh, so congratulations on that, Tim. And we'll be talking about that in... Tim's podcast episode which runs in two weeks time that is it for this week for the podcast diary a little bit longer than I expected apologies for that it's amazing how much news there is when you're not even writing a book um coming up on Monday's episode it's Sean Stevens Sean is a fantasy author who writes as SP Stevens now it was Sean uh, and a chat with Sean because he does websites and and he does a lot of marketing stuff it was chatting to Sean that sent me down this kind of rabbit hole of trying to make Google Ads work for myself again. Uh, we were having a chat about it, saying this ought to work for authors, didn't it? And we were agreeing with each other. And so off I went and spent some money on Google Ads. And Sean knows more about it than me. We had a really fascinating chat about, um, you know, a lot of kind of marketing things, as well as what Sean's doing to write the books and, and market the books. So that's coming up on Monday. That will be episode 127 of Self-Publishing Journeys. And that will be released on Monday, the 12th of November, 2000. 2018. In the meantime, have a fabulous week of writing. I'll be back with you for another podcast diary next Saturday. Bye bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.